0: Advantage of the day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers, all on three. One, two, three. Playmakers. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. And welcome once again to another episode of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Wolters with you, the voice of the Chiefs, along with the Matt Stat himself, senior team reporter Matt McMullen. This episode, as we are nearing the end of the OTAs and getting ready for mandatory minicamp. Will be entitled The More You Can Do. It is a phrase that has been around the NFL for some time, but if you're a member of Andy Reid's football team and around the Chiefs' kingdom, no one in the league, I think, personifies that mantra more than the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll do a deep dive into it, but first, the Defending the Kingdom ritual
1: here of let's go around the world let's do it so once again i have 13 names and places here of course in honor of 13 seconds so we have jason in warrensburg exactly 47 miles away he pointed out ucm mules there we go uh, national champions a few years ago
0: Ooh, good in baseball yeah uh
1: gary in sioux falls south dakota uh we have a listener in nairobi kenya yeah i think it's the first time we've been in kenya we have mike from st joe we'll see you in a about a month mike month, month and a half Um, Martin from Bathurst, Australia. He says it's Australia's oldest inland city. Pretty cool. Um, So Martin in Australia. We have Leon in Aurora, Colorado, but he's there by way of California. He was there for several years before that. So he's been- So he's getting closer. Exactly. Coming back to us. Yeah, but planting his flag in numerous spots all over the country. Um, We have Jeanette in South Kansas City, a listener in Topeka, Keith in Tacoma, Washington, Chris in Midtown, Kansas City, uh, Darnell in Denver, Jim in the Pacific Northwest, and Bill in McPherson, Kansas. McPherson, get it right. Just saying <laughs> that it's my wife's hometown. <laughs> I can't They're, mess that up. I, I know. And it's like, no, no, you
0: can't. And so she'll always, she'll just do it before you see her again. Cause yeah. Well, she'll listen to this, McPherson, right? Yeah. The home yeah. of the Bull Pups, uh, named <laughs> yeah. after General McPherson at the Battle of Atlanta. Anyway. McPherson. Uh, but McPherson, home of the Bull Pups, great athletes coming out of there, and some NFL players, including guys like Vic Chandler, played in the NFL. Okay, a couple of, of course, hit us both uh, on um, Twitter here, but there's nothing like Fresno Frazier. Fresno Frazier, shout out to Fresno Frazier, repping the kingdom, of course, in the Valley at Fresno, California, love that. And then another one from the, is it Shante Durham? He's originally from Kansas City, but he's lived in the UK for 23 years and loves the show. But we know that. The
1: U.K. embraces defending the kingdom. Yeah. DTK. We had the Arrowheads Abroad here back in 2017, I think. Some awesome guys. I think a few of them are coming back this year. They are. What game is it? Because they've tried to like give the warning to everyone. Yeah. I'll have to ask them. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. sure they'll listen to this. But yeah. But, yeah, looking forward to seeing them, too. Lots of fans in the U.K. Well, lots of fans that are interested in this
0: 2022 Kansas City Chiefs season because we know there has been a lot of change. And if you have listened or watched the Defending the Kingdoms going all the way back to early March, you can kind of follow this path. Well, now we get to the last week of the off-season training activities, but next week will be the mandatory minicamp. This week, we're going to spend on Defending the Kingdom more, the more you can do. And you've heard that phrase a lot around the National Football League for years, but for the Kansas City Chiefs, ever since Andy Reid drove into the Chiefs' kingdom and changed everything forever, wow, Matt, I can't think of every spot on this team, maybe other than quarterback, fits this because you can't pigeonhole a guy anywhere to me because they are, they are a challenge to do as much as they can possibly do and learn as much as they can possibly learn.
1: Yeah, it's really twofold, I think. So if you think about the starters on this team and the players that you see a lot, they have to be versatile because Coach Reed, at least offensively, wants to do a million different things with them. And that's why this offense has been so good and so dangerous for years now is because the players may come and go, uh, but he, he finds a way to take advantage of their strengths in numerous ways. So we've seen that for years with Coach Reed. And defensively, it's the same way with Spags because we always talk about how there's not really corners or safeties with the Chiefs. It's defensive backs, and that speaks to their versatility. And the other part of this is right now there's 90 guys on the Chiefs roster. They'll go to training camp with 90 guys, and you'll see in uh, at least the first preseason game a lot more guys than uh, what will be here when the season rolls around. So how do those guys earn their spots that are at maybe that bottom third of the roster? It's being versatile. And uh, we've been seeing throughout OTAs, and we'll see it in minicamp, and we'll see it in training camp, guys playing in numerous positions because if you can do two or three things pretty well, that might earn you a spot uh, when it comes to cutdown day in September.
0: We are not kidding about this. In fact, earlier during a media session, Chiefs running back, former first-round draft pick Clyde edwards helaire was asked this specific question, and Clyde articulates it very well. The Chiefs just aren't any other team. Everybody brings something different to the table, and, and that's, the, that's the, the, the great thing about this offense is you can stick anybody anywhere, and as long as we know what we're doing and executing, it can it can be unmatched depending on, you know, as far as our matchups, I can line up from in one, two, three spot, four, and run any, any route as far as the route tree Trav can do the same thing from MVS to Juju to McCole. So it, it just shows you that we can be as versatile as we want, and now everybody just has to play our matchup, and it's not the same thing that they've been saying the last six years. All right, so there you go. A running back is asked to do so many things. Let's take the wide receiver position. Every wide receiver on this team is asked to basically learn three languages. In football jargon, you could play the X or the Z, the split end, the flanker, or the Y position, or the slot. For the Kansas City Chiefs, if you're going to play wide receiver for Andy Reid, you need to know every position. You're asked to actually learn Spanish, German, and Greek all at the same time. And that's what is interesting about the OTAs. Man, I can't imagine a world without OTAs. I know that sounds like old school, but what are these other teams doing? Because Andy Reid uses this as somewhat of an aptitude test, like an SAT or an SAT, ACT, to
1: see if, like specifically, the wide receivers, how much can they handle? Well, there's a reason that those other teams aren't playing in the conference title game every single year. And obviously the Chiefs are doing that because they have a lot of talent, uh, but also because they get on this stuff in May and in June. And what Coach Rita said over and over again is they're throwing the book at these guys. I mean, it's more stuff than most people can probably handle. But you figure out a lot about a player um, up here in their mind uh, when you're throwing the stuff at them over and over again. And basically, OTAs and minicamp are essentially a passing camp. I mean, there's no live contact going on. So uh, it's essentially all throwing the football, not a lot of running uh, going on. And that's a great opportunity to figure out. What routes can you run? And for all the new receivers that are here on the Chiefs now, guys like MVS, Juju, uh, Sky Moore, and a lot of other players that are fighting for a roster spot on this team, guys like Justin Ross or uh, Justin Watson from Tampa Bay, lots of exciting players uh, who are fighting for a role on this team. How do you earn that spot? You find a way to run the entire route tree. You find ways to be useful. And it's not just on offense either. It's also on special teams. And I don't mean just as a kick returner or a punt returner. Can you be the gunner? on special teams? Can you go out there and punt coverage and make a tackle? Those kind of things are how you earn a role on this team for maybe those guys fighting for a spot. And for the guys that we know will be on this team, guys like MVS and Juju uh, and Sky Moore, what kind of routes can you run? Like I said, and how can you help this offense beyond maybe uh, one role that you're really good at? What new things can you learn and help this team?
0: Yeah, and MVS, the last session we got to watch, MVS had a had to make a one-handed catch of a no-look pass from Patrick Mahomes. It just, sidearm, no it, look. Sidearm, no look, and he had to make a one-handed catch, and he's, and Patrick's not looking at him. And it was about a 30-yard pass across the field. So that's what you work on in OTAs, and to skip it, I can't imagine. We're also seeing Sky Morgan integrated more, to, uh, no pun intended, uh, because of getting his hamstring up and running. You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster, and your your point's an interesting one. Because people always want to say, how many wide receivers will you keep? Is that five or is that six? And when you play fantasy football, you're concerned about the WR1 or the WR2 because you're in the fantasy league and you want to beat Gizmo down the street. But for the Kansas City Chiefs, we're not really kind of a fantasy kind of team. Like it's the WR1 might be Travis Kelsey at tight end. But everybody else, it's like spinning a roulette wheel. It could be somebody one week and somebody else the next. The other point that you make is great that I think fans overlook is if those other three receivers that aren't out there the most of the time, like Juju uh, Smith-Schuster would be excluded, uh, Marquez Valdez, Scanling, and McCole Hardman. But if you are a Justin Watson who's been impressive in OTAs, or Josh Gordon, you've got to be a special teams contributor. There
1: aren't enough guys. And I don't know if fans, unless they do a deep dive into it, realize it. And Corey Coleman, Darius Fountain, uh, Cornell Powell, a lot of good, uh, solid receivers in this camp, and they can't all make the team. So if you're uh, in that bottom group, you have to find a way to earn your spot beyond just offense. And if you're looking at it, roster math is fun, particularly roster math in June, because everything could change. But uh, there's really four receivers that uh, for sure will be on the squad, you have to imagine. Juju, MVS, McColl, and Sky Moore. But then there's a lot of guys fighting for maybe two spots. And you can't earn that all on offense because, uh, frankly, there's not enough reps to go around for those guys. So you have to show on offense, yes, but also, like we've been saying, on special teams and other areas, you got to make sure you show your worth. And uh, it's going to be a fun battle to keep watching throughout minicamp. It's been fun in OTAs already. But, uh, you know, a lot of talent in this group. And I think it's a good thing, ultimately, as we kind of reshape this receiver core because those guys will be battling for those final spots and truly earn them.
0: If you're a receiver, you may have to play some running back. If you're a running back, we just heard from Clyde, you've got to run every route on the route tree from every slot on the field. The other on the offensive side of the ball where this fits this and our episodes entitled this week, uh, the more you can do, is the offensive line. Okay, do the football math here. How many offensive linemen are you going to keep on the final 53? 10, 9, 8? But on any given Sunday, there are usually just seven offensive linemen that are active, meaning you have the five starters, and then two who are the only backups. And the best of those two can play all five spots. Enter the OTAs. How do the Chiefs approach the OTAs? Go back in an earlier episode where we talked about you have to get conditioned to play on this team, and not just physically conditioned, mentally and emotionally conditioned, to be prepared the way we work, the way we do things in the Chiefs' kingdom. The offensive line is one of the more
1: interesting things to watch. Do an up-close look in otas and even into training camp, it really is and a shining example of this over the years is andrew wiley because think about 2017 i believe andrew wiley was a free agent uh, that came to kansas city not with a lot of fanfare and he was a guard well he he stuck around for several years playing right guard and left guard until the past couple years uh, necessity forced him out at right tackle and he learned how to play right tackle to the point where last year he played a lot of right tackle for this team and was pretty good at it. And he can go out there at right tackle and you feel comfortable with Andrew Wiley. That's versatility right there. And it and is- let me tag that a second. I went back and looked.
0: He's had 42 starts. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, he's had 54 starts. He's 44 and 10. 42 starts, 54 games. 25 starts at right guard, 9 at left guard, and also eight at right tackle. In the playoffs, four at right
1: guard and four at right tackle. It's valuable to have that kind of player that can do multiple different things and not feel... Uh, totally uh, uncomfortable out there on the outside. So a guy like Andrew Wiley is a great example of why finding versatile players and then keeping them and investing in them and empowering them is so important. Uh, And the guy that we're kind of seeing that from right now is Nick Allegretti. So in OTAs, we've seen Nick Allegretti play left guard, center, right guard. He's played everywhere. And they'll rotate him in with the ones at times. So he gets comfortable with the guys next to him, with guys like Joe Tooney around him and Creed Humphrey. Uh, And that's important. And Nick Allegretti, I mean, when you can do this many different things, it makes you a valuable contributor to this team because we all know over the course of a 17-game season, there's going to be times when uh, guys are banged up. Austin Ryder is another example. So Austin Ryder's been around for a while now. He's a veteran, and he's been almost exclusively a center. But we've seen him at both right and left guard in this camp to see, hey, can you play all three interior offensive line spots? And that's something to watch uh, going into camp. Another example of versatility that just still amazes me is Joe Tooney because Joe Tooney is firmly entrenched as a guard in Kansas City, but when Orlando Brown Jr. uh, got hurt in the first Cincinnati game last year, Remember Joe Tooney like playing left tackle super well like against like and Trey then Hendrickson goes down Niang goes yeah. down six plays into the game <laughs> and it's like Tooney you got to be left tackle. <laughs> amazing and like playing it really well like against Trey Hendrickson one of the best pass rushers <laughs> in the NFL so Joe Tooney you don't expect him to go out and play tackle much but he can do it really well so just speaks to our point here about how if you have versatile offensive linemen who can play multiple positions over the course of a long season really comes in handy
0: and again OTAs are important here in this discussion because, again, it's aptitude testing in a way because Coach will throw everything at these guys and who can handle it, who can handle it at a high level going into camp. Tight end also enters this discussion because look at Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in National Football League history. You and I will both argue in front of the Supreme Court and give our case and we'll win that case. But for Travis Kelsey, he lines up as a Y-ISO, an ISO-Y, Sometimes as much as 30 percent of the time. Meaning, yes, he's a tight end, a TE by the number 87. But in truth, he's a wide receiver, which is why you and I always answer, "Who's the WR on one for your fantasy draft?" It's Travis Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. (laughs) So the other tight ends, which this is a talented group we've been watching in OTAs, they have to check the box: Is can I do that? whether you're a Jody Fortson, or you're Noah Gray, or Blake Bell to some extent, uh, and Jordan Franks, and Mark Vidal, the former uh, Baylor Bear basketball player. But in this
1: offense, if you're a tight end, You have to also be a wide receiver. You absolutely have to be. And we've seen that with Jody Fortson uh, in the time that he's grown uh, over the last several years in Kansas City. It's been fun to watch Jody grow from being uh, a UDFA out of Valdosta State uh, to now growing into a player we're excited about going into this season. I think Jody was about to have a really nice season last year before he got hurt in Washington, I believe. Uh, and I'm excited about him, just watching him out here. He's he's doing everything, looks healthy, looks good, looks fast. Uh, and when you have a player like him who can basically run like a wide receiver – but has the size of a prototypical tight end, really tough to defend uh, if you're a defensive coordinator. And then it just leaves it up to reps and making sure you have the playbook down and you're able to do all the different things that Coach Reed wants you to do. I think we're seeing that from Jody so far. And Noah Gray, what can Noah do in year number two? Noah played in 16 games last year. He was a big-time special teamer uh, for this group. Didn't play a ton on offense. Had a nice game against the Raiders out there in Vegas. Had a touchdown catch. Uh, But how can Noah elevate his game in year two, and versatility plays into that as well.
0: You still have to block with all of the, that is asked of you as a tight end, and there's still traditional tight end responsibilities if you're on this roster. Kelsey's shown it the last several years. Noah Gray, that's going to be part that we'll watch from him going into training camp. Same with Jody Fortson. He can just yes, he's got to be a wide receiver basically, but also he has to be able to be an in-line tight end blocker, or you just can't function in this offense. Again, the more you can do is a big part of the Kansas City Chiefs' success in the nine years of winning under Andy Reid. Now, with all that on offense and all that being said of like, wow, Clyde was saying you gotta know everything in the tree. You gotta I gotta know every wide receiver route even though I'm a running back. With all that on offense, it's maybe more profound on defense with Steve Spagnolo and what he has. The Chiefs do some very unconventional things. They will play a dime with, oh, three safeties, sometimes four safeties. I don't think of any other team in the league that does that, but if you're going to do that, you have to have guys that can handle it. So let's start back to front here with the defensive backs. That's why you got excited, <laughs> and you got me on the on the uh, Brian Cook bandwagon out of the University of Cincinnati. Uh, why Jordan? Or, sorry, why Justin Reed is a big asset in being picked up in free agency? Maybe a Deion Bush, who the Chiefs picked up from the uh, from the Chicago Bears. Same thing with the corners. Like, but. It's so unique in the way we approach our defense. To be a defensive back in this defense, you've got to know basically everything. Are you a corner or are you a safety? You're
1: all of it. You and I are both big fans of NCAA football 14, the old EA game. Bring it
0: back. Please bring an
1: updated version. Yes. Yeah, I played on my old Xbox 360 all the time. I played it a few nights ago, actually. It's a lot of fun. Georgia State, that's your team. Indiana now. Oh, Indiana. And, yeah, I, I re- took sure over, it, yeah. I took over. you know, a, a team that's not very good in a big conference. But, yeah, led Georgia State to a national title. There's a statue of me down there. Anyway, okay. it's besides the point. The point is – I play a little more realistically <laughs> than you do, but that's okay. You do, it, indeed. Yeah. Um, but the point is they have all those different defensive formations on there, right? And the things that Spags does you can't find you, no. in the EA playbook. You know, i look for it, and it doesn't exist. shows how um, unique a lot of his coverages are, and we see stuff at practice. We're like, oh, never seen that before, and we've been watching him for – for years now, but having versatile players on the back end allows him to do that. And one thing I find interesting is uh, how we rotate guys both outside and in the slot in terms of corners. Typically, So like Legereus Sneed turned into one of the best slot corners in all of football, uh, but he can also play outside if needed. I think Trent McDuffie has a very similar skill set where he can be an outside corner, but also play in the slot uh, if you want to. We've seen DiCaprio Boodle utilized in that role as well if needed. And also he, of course, contributes on special teams. I think Dion Bush, you mentioned him at safety, is going to have a bigger role uh, on this defense that people may realize, but he's also a four-core special teamer, most likely on this team, really showing off uh, on special teams. If you're one of those guys, a guy, a guy like Deion Bush, who can play defense, you know he can, but if you can also be a four-core special teamer, makes you so valuable to this group. And Nazi Johnson, the seventh-round pick out of Marshall, Interested to see what the Chiefs are able to do with him. He is one of the guys listed as a true defensive back. He's not a a corner or a safety. He's both. I think he played primarily safety at Marshall, but uh, seeing him play some corner uh, out here. Um, He's also a guy that I'm looking at. Can you be a gunner? Can you go make a play on punt coverage? So we'll see what happens with these guys. But a lot of athletes, I think, on the back end for the Chiefs, which is just great news because they've really – everyone talks about how we've remade our receiver core, but we've really remade our DB room. In a lot of ways it's young it's athletic and it's long and really excited to see it grow here over the next several months
0: the dbs and you alluded to it very much like the wide receivers if you're going to be on this list whether you're an s or a cb or really you've got to be both you have to be a special teams contributor even if you're a starter we have seen that happen uh, with dave tobe so that discussion how many do you keep uh, five corners for safeties do you keep six over four that decision usually means uh, at the second half of that group, you have to be a four-core special teamer. Speaking of DBs, let's pull off here uh, on the side of the road for just a second because it was exciting earlier here in the Chiefs' kingdom because Brandon Flowers, uh, 2008 draft pick for the Kansas City Chiefs, 88 games as a Chief, six years, 17 interceptions as a Chief, pro bowler, famous, of course, for the pick six against the Raiders running into the black hole when they were playing back in – oakland and putting his foot up on the uh football and giving the double flex That's awesome if you can find that photo count the birds in that photo and it's not the birds of capistrano <laughs> we'll just leave it at that uh, very interesting reaction uh from the folks uh in the black hole on
1: that pick six but for Dot flowers it was great to see him and he retired as a chief so cool uh, that he was here today and got to retire as a chief because i think about brandon flowers i talked to you about this earlier so i'm 29 years old the first team that was like really my chief's team was like trent green priest holmes dante hall eddie kennison all those guys but the first team that i watched where i truly felt like i knew what was going on was like brandon flowers eric Berry. Barry Johnson, Tom Bahali, those guys, uh, Jamal Charles, and to see them come through, to see Brandon Flowers, who was so good in his time here. I mean, from 2008 to 2013, he was one of only two players with 90 or more passes defensed, 15 or more interceptions, and 10 or more tackles for loss. Just a really solid player that was really good for a long time here, and to have him honored in this way I think was really special. His family was
0: here. He is family to us in the Chiefs' kingdom. Had a chance to chat with Brandon Flowers. All right, now a little bit of a turn uh, in this episode of Defending the Kingdom because we welcome back, uh, for his official retirement here, one of my favorite players uh, in my brief 29 years of being the voice of the Chiefs, B. Dot himself, Brandon Flowers. First of all, congratulations on a moment of coming back home. So your thoughts on getting back into this building and seeing everybody.
2: It feels so good. You know, uh, just pulling up to the stadium, give you chills. You know, uh, just thinking about the war, change, just seeing everybody that I missed for so long coming in the locker room and seeing that sea of red, feeling that sea of red, made me just want to suit up one more time to put in that red. But that's just what this building do to you. You know, it's a special place. Uh, we're all about family here. Great fan base. It's just this is a special just community all in one when you uh, talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. So I definitely appreciate it everything throughout my years here and then i'm even more appreciative just coming back and just
0: soaking it in nine-year nfl career six with the chiefs pro bowl in 2013 but here is your stat for this episode 88 regular season games with the chiefs 17 interceptions that means one in every five games B-dot was having the pick but the most famous pick six you ever had what about the one against the raiders and now there's one of the great photos in Chiefs Kingdom history of you f- giving the double flex <laughs> in front of the black hole.
2: Oh, man, that was one of my favorite – it has to be my favorite play, you know, in uniform, just on the road. You know, whenever a player plays on the road, it's just something special about hearing boos and when you make a play, it's just how the crowd just have to look at you. But doing it against the Oakland Raiders um, – before they moved to L.A., it just I meant to Vegas. It was just so surreal, you know. Uh, I pictured that interception just all in the pregame because it was on that play I knew if they came in this formation, they ran this route, I was going with it. So just to see it all come to fruition. And when I got to the end zone the night before, I'm like, listen, if I get this interception, I'm definitely standing on the football. Todd Haley's going to have to be mad because I'm going to get a flag. and <laughs> I'm going to flex into this black hole, and then it was worth it. Todd even told me I'll take that 15 yards if you go get a touch down for me but just to see the raiders reaction when i did that i know it stung them deep so that made me feel a little bit more better you know after i did it
0: there were a lot of birds in this photo but it wasn't the (laughs) birds like the audubon society we'll just leave it at that uh boy what an incredible career and the fact that you were really trained for this let me let me ask this too When the Chiefs won Super Bowl 54, it was ironic because it happened in Miami. Uh And at the end of that game, there was guys that were flashing in front of my face that I'm thinking, I hope they feel this. So it was in your home area where you grew up. Did you feel a part of that championship?
2: I definitely felt a part of it. And I actually was at the stadium. I actually was uh, calling a game for a network in London. So I was actually in the press box, and the whole time I was just like, they got to get this done. <laughs> they have to get this done. And once they got it done, when they ran on the field, I seen a confetti come out. I was just smiling from ear to ear. It literally felt like I was on the field. I talked to DJ after and a couple guys, and they felt the same way. They was like, Listen. That was our championship also, you know, from the blood, the sweat, the tears we put into it. We were so happy for the Chiefs to get that ring, and we definitely felt like we are a part of that, you know, championship. So we're definitely proud about that.
0: One of the things we're doing on this episode is talking about how the NFL has evolved and how, you know, what more can you do? What have you noticed in the game, and you played corner, but even at that corner position do you have to play the slot you got to play the outside you got to play man you got to play zone you got to play all these techniques what have you seen from the corner position of the last several years and what would you tell Chiefs kingdom fans going in because we got some young corners you
2: know uh be patient with the corners you have especially why they're young because it's obviously from my time coming into the league until now the passing game has evolved so much and there's a lot of Great quarterbacks. When I played, you probably had four or five great quarterbacks, but now it's like they're coming into the league and they can be so efficient. So playing cornerback is tough right now, especially when you're playing outside, inside, and having a guy like Patrick Mahomes that puts up points, the opposing team has to throw the ball a lot more. So if if you don't feel like you have a lockdown cornerback, it's not because you don't. It's because they're getting more opportunities to throw the ball because – Patrick Mahomes is always going up on that scoreboard. So a team always have to throw the ball to come back in. And you want to bend but not break defense. You know, uh, letting them just drive the ball, spend six minutes just moving the ball, moving the ball, then hold them to a field goal because it's not an individually stacked game. It's a team game. So let them waste their time. Let them kick a field goal. Pat, (laughs) a goal, put seven on the board. So don't worry about if you have young corners and they're giving a couple passes up here and there.
0: Family's always been so important to you. As excited as I was to see you, as excited to see your family, because it was just my life was flashing in front of me, seeing your dad and your sister and your whole family. What was the Chiefs family like for you uh, and what it means, not just your biological family, but your Chiefs family?
2: You know, when we pulled up to the facility yesterday, we went to the pro shop. And the first thing my dad said was, this is home. This is family right here. And... That's special. It's not just me as the player that feels like this place is special and this home. But when your family and your parents have that same feeling, as soon as we pulled up, Mitch, and he seeing you, he's like, oh, my guy, Mitch. And it's like, you're such a great guy. You make not just only the players feel like they're welcome and they're appreciated, but – When you take it a step further and our families feel that way when they see you, Mitch, and how you're so humble and you say, I've been here briefly 29 years, like, no, you're a big part of this franchise. You're a key piece to this franchise. So for the fact that you make us feel this way, it, it goes a long way.
0: Finally, what are you doing now? Because you were being an analyst. You said you did Super Bowl 54. What's what's on your plate now?
2: So now I took a break from being in the booth, being in break, taking a break from being an analyst. So now I'm getting into acting full time. You know, uh, sometimes if, as athletes, we work so hard to be great at one thing. We think we can be great at everything, but starting a new career is tough. But <laughs> the thing about being an athlete, we are perfectionists. You know, we always want to be the best at whatever we do. So right now, I'm just taking all the strides to be like one of the top actors in the world. So hopefully you'll see me on the screen
0: coming soon. Always in the hearts of the Chiefs Kingdom forever. Recently retired, but forever a chief. Brandon Flowers, AKA BDOT. So BDOT, always in uh, the hearts of the Chiefs Kingdom forever. Three years with the Chargers, we kind of overlooked that. Uh it's and, and he it's, is too, apparently. Yeah, he is too, because <laughs> he'd retired as a chief, but it's great to see him. All right. As we close things out on this edition of Defending the Kingdom, talking about the more you can do, we do want to hit the other defensive parts here. Because it's not just physically in getting tested here. Remember, the OTAs of the ACT and the SAT for this football roster from Coach Reed handing out those tests. Who can handle it? And to me, one very interesting thing to watch, and you and know, I've been watching this for weeks now is Nick Bolton, the second-year linebacker. What a great rookie year he had, in many ways historic. The former Mizzou Tiger now wears the green dot. That means he's getting the calls from the sideline and trying to get that to everybody else. So although essentially his sophomore year in the NFL,
1: he's being treated as a senior. So I asked him 30 minutes ago during his presser, last year around this time you had just been drafted. You had just figured out what team you're going to, you're figuring out where you're going to live, you're figuring out the playbook, all this stuff. How much more comfortable do you feel now, a year later, that you're coming into OTAs and yeah, you're learning a new position, but you know everything else? You know your teammates, you know where the cafeteria is, you know all this stuff. And he's like, it's a full 180. Like, it couldn't be. <laughs> any different um, for me, and I think that's going to empower him to really thrive in this new role. He was just awesome last year when given opportunities. I think everyone would agree with that. He got better as the year went on. We knew that he would be just a bowling ball against the run, but as the year went on, if you look at pro football focus numbers, he got better and better against the pass as the season went on, to the point where he was pretty good against it uh, late in the season. And now, as the Mike, that's what he's going to be this season, uh, not only do you have to keep building on that, you have to make sure that you are um, Um, The quarterback... Of the defense in so many ways and just based on what we know about Nick he's so ready for that role it is a new uh, bunch of stuff for him to learn but I think he's digesting it really well and looking great so far uh, during these practices.
0: And remember in this defense this is not college algebra, this is series and differential equations and so to be the m- middle linebacker of this team and wear that green dot, you've got to know the language better than anybody else and be the best mathematician on the team Finally we'll close it out the defensive line and do this quickly. George Carloft is actually fits this discussion, I think, the more you can do. But we've seen guys, and Spags will do this, guys, Chris Jones, guys moving outside, guys moving inside. It's like you can't pigeonhole a guy into saying he does this in this defense or you'll see him move around three plays later.
1: Mike Dana is a good example of that. So last year we saw Spags do this with Mike Dana. Mike Dana is a defensive end, but he has the flexibility to also play inside, particularly maybe in a passing situation when you want to have a lot of edge rushers out there on the field in terms of their skill set at once. We've seen that with Mike Dana playing uh, some inside as well as outside. And Tershawn Wharton, last year, haven't seen much of it this year, but last year at times, he would go from being an interior defensive lineman to playing off the edge. So if you have athletic players that can do different things for you up front, uh, it just makes your your defense that much more dangerous. I think about with uh, Spaggs and his defense that beat Tom Brady in 2007, uh, the team that went, uh, what, 18 and 1? Spaggs' defense, would he'd run the four aces defense with four edge rushers all along the defensive line. Uh, that was, of course, an all-time defense but just shows how creative he's going to get and we're seeing that at times out here at practice yeah if
0: you're going to have those four aces you have to have kings and jacks is what the Chiefs are trying to build with this 2022 defense you talk about Turk Wharton remember the Venus flytrap interception against the Washington Commanders <laughs> where he just grabbed it out of the sky uh, he's got that ability another guy to kind of sneaky here is Joshua Kando he's going to be one that you and i watch during mandatory minicamp and during training camp in St. Joe he's Matt Stat. he is senior team reporter Matt McMullen you know him and you love him I'm Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Chiefs. Remember, in the National Football League, especially with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's the more you can do. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.